Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 118 of The Weekly List podcast, which accompanies week 201 on The Weekly List website, theweeklylist.org, and corresponds to the week ended September 19, 2020. Welcome. It's hard to express in words the sense of loss this week. We all have been cursing 2020. Uh, It's been a tough three years preceding 2020 under Trump, but in 2020 we had the pandemic and the illness that it brought us and nearly 200,000 Americans dead, the starvation and long food lines, the evictions, Then we had fire, wildfires, which is the photo that we had for last week in in California and the rest of the West Coast. We've had hurricanes, floods, social unrest protests, and all of the other stuff that came with the Trump regime. And then this week on Friday, as we sat down to dinner, and for those of us who are Jewish, the first eve of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, We lost someone who is a heroine to many of our generation, our Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, 46 days before the election. Of course, those of us who are old enough remember four years ago when one of RBG's close friends, ironically, Antonio Scalia, died uh, in the year 2016 months before, at this point in 2016, and Senate Majority Leader, at that point, Mitch McConnell refused to even hold confirmation hearings for Merrick Garland. And all the Republicans at that time who were in leadership, including Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley, were on record supporting not bringing up Obama's choice. Those same folks now are reversing. And so we find ourselves in this situation with all the stuff we've been speaking about in 2000, having to worry as well if there's a close election and it goes to the Supreme Court, like Gore v. Bush, that our Supreme Court, if Trump is able to push through another nominee, could be stacked against us. So grim time, but at the same time, Hard to put into words as we went through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Some called it the RBG Revolution. And we'll talk more about what it feels like next week. But as we ended off this week, week 201, there is something in the air, folks. Women are grieving and now mad as hell. And I don't think we can underestimate what that means for this election. We saw in 2018 a grassroots effort known as the resistance, where we won 40 seats in the Congress. I sense something, and we'll know more when we meet again next week, what that all means. Some are saying, may her memory be a revolution, which is a takeoff in For those of us who are Jewish, when we lose someone we love, we say, may their memory be a blessing. May her memory be a revolution that might be upon us. I can tell you, I personally came home Saturday morning after walking my dogs and said, let me just put up a fundraiser in her name to raise money for the Senate 
Obviously, the Senate is the part that confirms Supreme Court justices. And within 24 hours, we raised a quarter of a million dollars in small donations towards the Senate to help re- help Democrats who are running. So that's the kind of feel for it. Um, and if I had done this podcast, I could barely get myself through finishing this week's list. I was so upset and I've been grieving. I think all of us are intermittently crying every time we see her picture and see her words on TV or the radio. Um, but it feels different today as if this vacuum that she has left has been filled and people are newly, even we were already awakened, but this touches many parts of our country, our young generation who revered her. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out. Again, that happened Friday, so it was not the dominant story. It happened late Friday. A lot else happened this week, as with every other week. We're in the midst of Bob Woodward's book, uh, which, you know, like so much else, nothing really seems to stick. And what we're finding is a remarkably stable race, not close race, remarkably stable race, where reportedly 97% of Americans have made up their mind. And so now it's all a question of mobilizing the vote. So we're going to start off um, with some notable items. On Tuesday, Scientific America endorsed Joe Biden, the first time the magazine has endorsed a presidential candidate in its 175-year history, saying, quote, this year we are compelled to do so. We do not do this lightly. The magazine cited, quote, the evidence and the science show that Donald Trump has badly damaged the U.S. and its people, noting the, quote, devastating example of his dishonest and inept response to the COVID-19 pandemic. On Tuesday, Pew Research found the U.S. image abroad has plummeted. Across 13 nations that were surveyed, just 15% said the U.S. has done a good job dealing with the pandemic. 85% say it is not. Just 16% in those 13 countries have confidence in Trump, 16-1-6, and 34% view the U.S. favorably. In the U.K., just 41% expressed a favorable opinion of the U.S., the lowest percentage registered in any Pew Research Center survey there. Trump was the least trusted leader in the world at 16%. German Chancellor Angela Merkel was at 76%. French President Emmanuel Macron at 64%. Russian President Vladimir Putin at 23%. And Chinese President Xi Jinping at 19%. On Tuesday, an NBC News poll found 52% of adults do not trust Trump on a COVID-19 vaccine. Only 26% do. The poll also found that 39% said they would get the vaccine, 23% said they would not, 36% were unsure. On Wednesday, Pew Research found 43% of Republicans identified mail-in ballot fraud as a major problem and 31% as a minor problem. So that's in all 74% of Republicans. Only 11% of Democrats say it's a major problem and 23% a minor problem. Of the 43% of Republicans who see mail-in fraud as a major problem, and again, I need to stress because we talk about this week after week, there is no major problem with mail-in fraud. This is all something Trump has concocted to stir up his base and to try to delegitimize the U.S. election. 
Of those 43%, 61% tune in only to Fox News and conservative radio, and 61% say Trump's campaign is a major source of their political news. On Saturday, and now we're going to get into the week, so to speak. On Saturday, the New York Times reported Trump will visit California on Monday after receiving criticism for weeks of silence, which was especially notable in contrast to his actively speaking out on topics he thought would help win the re-election. The apocalyptic images coming from the West Coast were a reminder of the consequences of climate change. Joe Biden delivered a speech Saturday addressing climate change and losses people faced on the West. On Saturday, Trump tweeted, quote, Was Andy McCabe ever forced to pay back the 700000 illegally given to him and his wife? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I put these in just for context and to be consistent, but this is what Trump was focused on as the West was burning, as the coronavirus is killing Americans, Andy McCabe and Crooked Hillary. On Saturday, Trump held a rally in Minden, Nevada. As the rally at, as the rally at the tarmac opened, hundreds of people ran to grab seats close together with no social distancing or masks after standing together in line. Trump defied local officials by holding a rally for thousands in Minden after his initial plan to hold a rally in Reno and a venue there was canceled. Trump unleashed a rambling 90-minute speech of grievances and attacks. He attacked Nevada Senator Steve Sisolak, saying, quote, This is the guy we are entrusting with millions of ballots? Who the hell is going to trust him? Adding, quote, The only way the Democrats can win the election is if they rig it. Uh, notably, the governor is not responsible for elections. That's the Secretary of State. But again, Trump again and again tried to delegitimize our election. Trump fumed about the Biden campaign and an ad they had run, saying, quote, now I can be really vicious, saying Biden, quote, doesn't know he's alive and sleepy Joe Biden. You know where he is now? He's in his damn basement again. Trump also invoked Hillary Clinton, leading the crowd to chance of lock her up, ironically, after all the people that we know from the Trump regime who have been locked up, uh, claiming he usually tried to stop the chant, but, quote, I don't care about it anymore, and adding Clinton should be in jail. On Saturday, in an interview with Alex Jones, far-right conspiracy theory site InfoWars, Roger Stone echoed Trump, saying Democrats were trying to rig the election and said Trump should declare martial law if he loses. On Saturday, AP reported Vice President Mike Pence dropped his plans to attend a fundraiser on Montana, hosted by a couple who had expressed support for the QAnon theory, conspiracy theory that we talked about last week. He canceled that. On Saturday, the New York Times reported college campuses have become the new coronavirus hotspot, with colleges and universities recording 36,000 cases last week, bringing the total to 88,000 since the pandemic began. On Saturday, the Colorado Secretary of State sued the U.S. Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, and other elected officials other and other officials over election mailers, she said will mislead voters on timing, say it was confusing and wrong. The mailers advised voters to request a vote-by-mail ballot at least 15 days before the election and return the ballot by at least seven days before, differing from the state's rules. The judge granted a temporary restraining order. On Sunday, the Washington Post reported Michael Bloomberg will spend at least $100 million of his own money to help Biden in Florida. 
If Trump loses Florida in November, he has almost no path to victory. We're going to be talking more stories about Florida towards the end of the week and steps Trump is taking to help his chances there. The race is close to being tied. It's a state that Trump won, and again, he needs to win in order to have any shot. Biden is up, depending on the poll, by a few points. On Sunday, Trump, who did not know the words to the Pledge of Allegiance when we spoke about him last week, tweeted, quote, Joe Biden cannot lead. They even removed the words under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. Trump also tweeted he is running to, quote, ensure the future belongs to America, not China, saying if we win, America wins. If Biden wins, China wins. Trump also quoted a tweet on Drudge's ratings being down, saying Drudge is down 40% because he became fake news. Again, Drudge has been critical of Trump. Trump also tweeted about a gunman who shot two LA County deputies saying, quote, animals that must be hit hard and quote, if they, the deputies die, fast trial, death penalty for the killer, only way to stop this. Trump also attacked Bloomberg tweeting, quote, I thought Mike was through with democratic politics after spending almost $2 billion, asking why no one challenged his quote, average and quote, outdated business. Trump also attacked New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who encouraged social distancing and masks, tweeting, quote, but people who don't want to get mugged, beaten up, or killed. Let New Yorkers finest, who proudly endorsed me, do their job. Trump also tweeted, quote, deaths and hospitalizations way down, and even cases down, despite far more testing than any other country in the world. This, of course, is false, and the U.S. was using less than half of its testing capacity, we, on a per capita basis, have five times the amounts of deaths and uh, cases as anybody else in the world. On Sunday, White House Trade Advisor Peter Navarro defended Trump on State of the Union, lying that, quote, in, in February, nobody knew about COVID. Adding, quote, nobody, nobody knew, not even you, not even the president, not even Nancy Pelosi. The interview became heated with Navarro accusing anchor Jay Tepper of cherry-picking Trump's comments, adding, quote, you're not honest with the American people. CNN is not honest with the American people. On Sunday, GOP chair Ronna McDaniel defended Trump on Meet the Press, saying he was, quote, calm and steady in a time of unrest and uncertainty, and, quote, history will look back on how well he handled it, being the coronavirus. McDaniel also lied, blaming the high U.S. death toll on, quote, more testing, which is a totally unrelated metric. On Sunday, Peter Strzok told Meet the Press he believes Trump is, quote, compromised by the Russians, saying Trump's financial enterprise placed him in a position, quote, where the Russians have leverage over him. On Sunday, Trump held a day rally in Nevada, where he again falsely claimed, quote, we are rounding the corner on COVID-19. Instead of the gunman who killed two deputies, he's not human, he's an animal. Biden also during the day Sunday condemned the shootings, tweeting, quote, this cold-blooded shooting is unconscionable and the perpetrator must be brought to justice. Watch that, though. I'm telling you what Biden said because the Republicans are going to lie and attack him, and especially Trump, about what he his response was. On Sunday, Politico reported Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is quietly relaunching his Madison dinners during the pandemic, even as congressional Democrats are investigating the taxpayer-funded events. 
Pompeo had planned to host a dinner for Monday at the Blair House, the first since March, but it was moved to the State Department. The intimate dinners led to staff grumblings as they require significant staffing. On Sunday, Bob Woodward told 60 Minutes of his tapes, quote, This is a tragedy. The President of the United States has a duty to warn. The public will understand. St. Trump went down the, quote, path of deceit and cover-up. Woodward said when he spoke to Trump in August, Trump told him, quote, nothing more could have been done and said, quote, and Woodward said, quote, it almost took my breath away. There was so much certainty when he said at when he was absolutely wrong. Woodward said Trump told him the U.S. was close to being at war with North Korea. The CIA said of Kim Jong-un's letters to Trump, quote, Analysts concluded that they were masterpieces because they are appealing to Trump's sense of grandiosity. On Sunday, later Sunday, Trump held his first indoor rally in three months in defiance of Nevada governor and his pandemic guidelines. The last indoor rally was Tulsa, which resulted in a surge of cases in that state of, in the state of Oklahoma, as well as Herman Cain's death. Democratic Governor Steve Sisolik, who limited in-person gatherings indoors and outdoors to 50 people since May, said Trump was, quote, taking reckless and selfish actions that are putting countless lives in danger here in Nevada. The city of Henderson notified the event venue, Extreme Manufacturing, which is owned by a Trump supporter, that the event was in violation of emergency directives and the company would be fined. Other venues had said no to hosting the event. With nearly 200,000 dead and more than 1,000 dying daily, Trump told thousands packed together without masks, quote, we are not shutting down the country again, adding, quote, we will be very, be very easy to defeat the Chinese virus. Trump gave an hour-long rambling speech mentioning mandatory prison sentence for flag burning, praised various UFC fighters in attendance, and endorsed extradential killing for those who targeted the police. He also tar- attacked Biden, uh, calling him a tired career politician who is unfit to be president and blamed media coverage for Biden's lead, saying, quote, maybe he'll win because they don't like me, they don't like my personality. Trump repeated his threat to serve more than two terms, saying, quote, we're going to win four more years in the White House, and after that, we will win four more years. We'll be asking for maybe another four or so. Trump added, quote, they nominated your president twice for a Nobel Prize, adding with a xenophilic reference that Barack Hussein Obama, he got it. Trump twice used Obama's middle name in his speech. Trump also trolled the crowd, quote, if the governor comes after you, which you shouldn't be doing, I'll be with you all the way. Extreme manufacturing could be fined $500 per attendee, exceeding the 50 allowed. Later Sunday, Trump tweeted, quote, For the entire summer, Joe Biden was silent as left-wing mobs assaulted police officers, set fire to police cars, precincts, and called them peaceful protesters. He lied, saying Biden wanted to cut police funding. And he lied, saying, quote, Even called law enforcement the enemy. And the GOP knows police officers are not villains, but heroes who keep us safe. On Monday, Trump defended his Sunday indoor rally, telling the Las Vegas Review-Journal that he did not believe that he was subject to the governor's 
order limiting gatherings to 50 people. Asked if he was concerned about safety, Trump said, quote, I'm on the stage and it's very far away, but did not address concerns about his supporters. Asked about his safety, he said, quote, I'm not concerned at all. On Monday, the New York Times reported while his campaign defended his right to hold indoor rallies, privately aides were uneasy, calling it a game of political Russian roulette amid a concern that rallies could prolong the pandemic. The decision to hold the rally indoors was a last resort, and campaign officials admitted state officials pressured them not to host the rally. The campaign told the Times it had no plans for more indoor rallies. On Monday, Tim Miller, the former communications director for Jeb Bush, in an op-ed called Trump's rally, quote, the single most appalling and reckless political event hosted by any presidential nominee in my lifetime. On Monday, the Washington Post reported Trump's rallies are getting a lot less television coverage than they did in 2016, particularly if they are held indoors. Trump's Sunday rally was not covered even by Fox News or C-SPAN. Citing health concerns at indoor rallies, correspondents and camera crews largely covered the Sunday rally from outside the facility. Just the small number of reporters from the White House press pool ventured inside. On Monday, U.S. District Judge William Strickman, a Trump appointee, ruled that Pennsylvania's since-suspended business closure and stay-at-home orders, as well as limits on gathering, were unconstitutional. Trump tweeted, quote, Congratulations, Pennsylvania. Now we await the decision on the rigged ballot scam, which is so bad for our country. And, quote, next up, the ballot hoax. He then retweeted several posts celebrating the ruling. On Monday, the World Health Organization reported on Sunday the one-day increase in cases was 308,000, the highest since the pandemic began, with India, the U.S., and Brazil reporting the most cases. On Monday, the Washington Post reported Jeanette Young, public health officer in Australia, became the latest healthcare official to face death threats for their response to the pandemic, joining officials in, of course, the U.S. and Germany. On Monday, embattled Belarus President Alexander Lutsenko got a pledge of support from Putin after the fourth weekend in a row of more than 100,000 protesting in Minsk, despite arrests and alleged torture. On Monday, with the election 50 days away, Trump spent the morning sending a series of rage-filled tweets about Bob Mueller and his team and the investigation, as well as Peter Strzok. We're not going to go through them all. Save you that. They were bad enough the first time. On Monday, Politico reported a digital ad released by the Trump campaign on September 11th, calling on people to support our troops, used a stock image of Russian fighter jets and Russian models dressed as soldiers. Which seems appropriate. Okay, now this was, I mean, the people in the Trump regime are just losing their stuff. But we've been talking about Mike Caputo and Health and Human Services and their authoritarian actions during this pandemic. On Monday, Michael Caputo, the top communications official at the Department of Health and, Home and Human Services, went on a Facebook Live rant claiming the CDC is harboring a, quote, resistance unit to undermine Trump. Caputo warned that he could be in danger due to reporting last week and advised his followers, quote, if you carry guns, buy ammunition, ladies and gentlemen, because it's going to get 
It's going to be hard to get. Caputo said his physical health was in question and his, quote, mental health has definitely failed and that the death toll was taking a toll on him, saying, quote, you're not waking up every morning and talking about dead Americans. Caputo also accused CDC employees of plotting, quote, how they're going to attack Trump, adding, quote, there are scientists who do not want America to get well, not until Joe Biden is president, and accused them of sedition. We're not going to hear that word just once this week. Sedition is now a word we're, <laughs> we're using. Uh, Caputo was a Trump loyalist with no background in public health and was appointed in April to protect Trump's public image. In the 26-minute rant, like Trump, he cited conspiracy theories in the deep state. On Monday, BuzzFeed reported an internal memo by former Facebook scientist Sophie Zlang alleged Facebook knew leaders of countries around the world were using it to manipulate voters and failed to act. On Monday, celebrities including Kim Kardashian West, Mark Ruffalo, and others said they were freezing their Facebook and Instagram accounts for the day on Tuesday to protest the spread of hate and misinformation on those platforms. On Tuesday, the Washington Post reported Turning Point Action, a pro-Trump conservative youth organization, has enlisted teenagers in the social media scheme reminiscent of the troll farms that were used by Russia's IRA to coordinate pro-Trump messaging on topics like the coronavirus and mail-in voting. The group has been conducting a secretive campaign that experts say has evaded the guardrails meant to stop the spread of disinformation by the likes of Russia. The post identified thousands of Facebook posts and 4,500 tweets associated with the group's activity. The social media companies have removed some content and rebuked Turning Point. On Tuesday, Facebook and Instagram flagged posts by Fox News host Tucker Carlson tonight in his show saying they repeated information on COVID-19 that, quote, multiple independent fact-checkers say is false. The clips that were being shared included an interview with Li Mangan, a Chinese virologist who claims that the virus, quote, is not from nature and cited a false study claiming it was made in a lab in China. On Tuesday, the Daily Beast reported groups associated with Steve Bannon are behind the false study with Yan and are meant to fit Trump's narrative blaming China for weaponizing the pandemic. On Thursday, Bloomberg Businessweek's cover featured Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg in a red Make America Great Again hat as its cover story, with the subtext, quote, Facebook needs Trump even more than Trump needs Facebook. On Monday, now we're going to get back to the week, all that stuff on Facebook. I just, I have to put stuff every week related to how these social media companies have having such a huge impact on disinformation, violence, and the rest, not so much Twitter, mostly Facebook, but that's what we're dealing with in this election, just like the last election. Now we have Trump youth using tools that Russia used against us. On Monday, the New York Times report, excuse me, on Monday, the Woodward told the Today Show that the idea of restricting travel to China due to the pandemic was not Trump's idea, but came from Dr. Anthony Fauci after a January 28th meeting. On Monday, the New York Times reported the Biden campaign created a legal war room, including two former solicitor generals and hundreds of lawyers to fight battles on how people will vote and how they will get their votes counted. 
The campaign is also preparing for what could be an extended legal battle over election results. The effort was billed by the campaign as the largest election protection program in presidential history, presidential campaign history. On Monday, Politico reported the Trump campaign filed new arguments in its lawsuit to stop mail-in voting in New Jersey, claiming the law signed by the state's governor violates the Constitution and federal statutes. The Trump campaign had claimed that New Jersey's Constitution only allows state legislature, not the governor, to determine how elections are, are conducted. And the Democrat-controlled legislator later passed a law, and the governor passed it. On Monday, NBC News reported the DOJ Inspector General is investigating circumstances behind the sentencing recommendation for Roger Stone. It focused on events in February when prosecutors were told to seek a lighter sentence. On Monday, a federal court ruled 2-1 to one that Trump can phase out temporary protected status for more than 300,000 people from Sudan, Nicaragua, and Haiti as soon as March, and from El Salvador in November 2021. That's a story we talked about, or I wrote about, I think even before the, the podcast, Trump had been trying to end that. These are people that came to this country during natural, natural disasters for the most part, and many of them have lived here for most of their lives, and Trump had sought to throw them out. He's gone quiet on that ahead of the election because he needs votes in certain subsets, especially in Florida, but we'll see where that story goes. The ruling would impact families that have been living and working in the U.S. for decades. Biden said he would allow TPS and royalties to stay. The decision was likely to be appealed to the Supreme Court. On Monday, Trump held another indoor event in Arizona with more than 100 attendees, mostly without masks, billed as a roundtable. The event came as Trump tried to control the news cycle ahead of the election. On Monday, the Washington Post reported at least 35 had died in California and Oregon as wildfires continued to rage. Thick plumes of smoke made it difficult to breathe. The air quality among the worst in the world. Later Monday, Trump headed to California. He told reporters on the tarmac, quote, when trees fall down in about 18 months, they become really dry. They become like really a matchstick and they explode. In trying to explain wildfires, Trump refused to acknowledge climate change, adding also, quote, if you have years of leaves, dried leaves on the ground, it just sets it up. It's really a, a fuel for the fire, so they have to do something about it. At a roundtable, Trump brushed off concerns by Natural Resource Secretary Wade Crowfoot, saying the weather, quote, will start to get cooler. Crowfoot said, I wish science agreed with that. Trump said, I don't think science knows. Biden said about climate change, spoke about climate change, saying, quote, if we have four more years of Trump's climate denial, how will suburbs, how many suburbs will be burning to the ground in wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? As Hurricane Sally hit the Gulf Coast and delivered 20 to 30 inches of rain, Amid a possible record number of hurricanes, Biden labeled Trump a, quote, climate arsonist and climate denier who would leave the U.S. underwater. Later Monday, Woodward shared tapes on Stephen Colbert's show of Trump telling him on April 13th, quote, Bob, it's so easily transmissible. You wouldn't believe it. Trump also said, quote, 
I was in the White House a couple of days ago, a meeting of 10 people in the Oval Office, and a guy sneezed, just a sneeze, and the entire room bailed out, okay? Adding, quote, including me, by the way. So this is April that Trump is telling Woodward that, and he's having in-person rallies with people right next to each other and screaming and shouting. Unbelievable. On Monday, the Daily Beast reported right-wing activists and conspiracists Jack Burkham and Jacob Wall staged a fake FBI raid at Burkham's home by paying actors found on Craigslist to dress up as FBI agents. The Washington Post, which reported on the raid, later retracted its story, saying the newspaper had been duped and failed to obtain confirmation of the raid before publishing the story. Berkman and Wall had lied to the Post. On Tuesday, Trump called into Fox and Friends, telling the hosts, quote, we've agreed to do it once a week in the morning. The hosts later looked visibly uncomfortable, with one saying, Fox is not committed to that. During the interview, Trump lied, saying of Nevada Governor Sisolak, quote, he'll cheat on the ballots. I have no doubt about it. You're going to see a rigged election. Again, as we've been talking about, the Secretary of State, not the governor, oversees the election. Trump also lied about a possible COVID-19 vaccine, saying, quote, you wouldn't have a vaccine for years. I speeded up the process with the FDA, claiming it is coming, quote, in a matter of weeks and will be delivered immediately. Asked how to address climate change, Trump gave a meandering false response, saying, quote, you have forests all over the world. You don't have fires like you do in California, you know. In Europe, they have forest cities. Without saying which countries have forest cities because they don't exist, or what Trump is claiming doesn't exist, uh, Trump said, quote, they maintain their fire. They have an expression. They thin the fuel. And, quote, the trees that fall, they're dry. They're like, they're like a matchstick, you know, after 18 months. Trump also attacked the media on Fox and Friends, saying, quote, what happened to the news, what happened to the media in this country is a terrible thing. It's a shame. And it's really much of the absolutely the enemy of the people. Trump added again, it's the enemy of the people, whether it's the New York Times, Washington Post, the networks. With no pushback, the co-host asked, are we the enemy of the people? And Trump said, no, you're not. Trump also basically accused Biden of taking drugs, saying, quote, he's taking something. He's taking something that gives him some clarity. Trump later responded, telling reporters of Trump, excuse me, Biden later responded, telling reporters of Trump, quote, he's a fool. On Tuesday, Trump retweeted a post and, and, some of this stuff I just have to talk about because it's so unusual that the president of a country, first of all, would be tweeting, but that would be spreading this kind of stuff. On Tuesday, Trump retweeted a post that labeled Biden of being a pedophile, promoting a false conspiracy theory that has been spread by QAnon. Trump also shared a manipulated video tweeted by an unverified account that was later suspended of Biden in Florida replacing the song Despacitito with NWA's anti-police anthem and adding, what is this all about? Trump also tweeted, after a big media buy by Biden, quote, we are advertising all over the place, but as much as we do, the fake news like to say we aren't lying. Lying saying, quote, we have much more money than we had in 2016. Trump also attacked the NFL, saying their ratings have, quote, cratered. 
citing, quote, we have plenty of politics to go around without disrespecting our great American flag or anthem, adding, quote, just not war- worth it, hard to watch. On Tuesday, the World Trade Organization ruled that the Trump regime's tariffs on Chinese goods put in place in 2018 in the middle of Trump's trade war violated international trade rules. China had filed a complaint. The U.S. has 60 days to respond, but since Trump has refused to appoint new members to the WTO appellate, there's no functioning body to hear the case. China could also ask to recoup losses through tariffs on U.S. goods. On Tuesday, AP reported Pennsylvania's Department of State issued guidelines saying counties cannot reject guidelines based only on signatures, which was prompted by a lawsuit by the League of Women Voters and Urban League. On Tuesday, in an interview with CNBC, Jim Cramer, host Jim Cramer, asked, quote, What deal can we have, crazy Nancy? I'm sorry, that was what the president, I would never use that term. Pelosi responded, but you just did. Trump tweeted the clip of that exchange. Kramer later apologized on his show, saying, quote, I made a very stupid comment. Trump tweeted a clip of the apology, adding, quote, Jim, you didn't make a mistake. It's true, and it's why you said it. No pandering. On Tuesday, Don Wooten, a whistleblower who worked as a nurse at an ICE, inf- uh, ICE detention center in Georgia, reported a high number of hysterectomies there. The nurse, along with four lawyers representing clients, said migrant women were routinely sent to Dr. Mahendra Armin, a gynecologist who left them bruised and performed unnecessary procedures. In the complaint, Wooten said her patients told her they were afraid to go to Amin, who they called the, quote, uterus collector. Records show his performing medically unnecessary hysterectomies on multiple detainees. The lawyers identified a men from a complaint Wooten filed, along with unnamed detainees from DHS with a DHSIG, signing detainees were not getting COVID-19 tests and other necessary medical care. She was demoted, this whistleblower, in July. We're going to be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. On Tuesday, The Hill reported, and, and I just want to step back to that story because there's so many of these stories that, you, you know, they get lost in the in the scream of things, just some cultural and, and historic, not cultural, rather historical context. Of course, we know those of us who, who are scholars of, of the Holocaust, what was done to Jews and how they were used uh, for medical experimentation. Our country has a long and shameful history with women of color of using them for medical procedures, especially gynecologists. So when we see brown women who are migrants being used and given um, unnecessary medical um, hysterectomies, then it brings up all sorts of bad history, not only in our country, but around the world that we should pay attention to. And there'll be more to come from this story. On Tuesday, The Hill reported the DOJ launched an investigation into John Bolton's book. The Department of Justice did that on whether it illegally disclosed classified information. Again, the DOJ has become Trump's personal law firm. On Tuesday, in an ABC town hall in Pennsylvania, that was really something to see. Uh, Trump was, for the first time in many weeks, asked tough questions by undecided voters and a moderator. CNN calculated that Trump made at least 22 misleading claims. Washington Post fact checker found Trump made 24 false or misleading claims, including several that were considered four Pinocchios. I have some examples here of his greatest hits. 
asked why he downplayed the virus, as, as he said, in, as we learned in uh, Woodward's book, Trump lied, saying, quote, I didn't downplay it. I actually, in many ways, upplayed it in terms of action. Trump lied, claiming Biden had said the pandemic was totally over-exaggerated. On why he does not wear a mask, Trump said, quote, a lot of people think that masks are not good. Pressed as to who thinks that, Trump said, waiters, citing they touch food and touch their masks while serving. This is, of course, a misleading statement. Asked why the U.S. has more than 20% of all deaths, Trump repeated his lie, quote, we have 20% of the cases because of the fact that we do much more testing. That's not true. Testing does not create cases. It helps mitigate cases and deaths. Asked about a statement that the virus will just go away. Trump said without it would go away without a vaccine, saying, quote, you'll develop herd like a herd mentality, seeming to reference herd immunity, which would require 70% of Americans to be infected. Trump again lied that he was, quote, doing a health care plan and it would be coming soon, a claim he has made since 2019. He also lied about protecting people with pre-existing conditions while he is suing to end Obamacare, which grants that protection. On crime, Trump lied that prosecutors in Seattle took over, quote, 20% of the city. And the city, however, is six, that zone was six blocks. And he also lied that due to cutting police, quote, crime is up 100%, 150%. I saw one form, crime is up 300% in some cities. None of that is true. Shortly after the town hall, Fox News host Laura Ingram said on her show that Trump, quote, loves mixing it up with everybody, but said that the town hall where undecided voters asked questions, quote, this was an ambush. On Tuesday, QAnon supporter Lauren Whiskey won the GOP Senate primary in Delaware, becoming the second pro-QAnon candidate to win a 2020 primary. She said in January she no longer promotes QAnon. However, she's been photographed in QAnon t-shirts and has a history of posting their hashtags on social media. She also in the past has pushed anti-Semitic, flat earth, and 9-11 conspiracies. That's our Republican Party folks. On Tuesday, Trump held a ceremony at the White House to sign an accord with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, along with delegations from Iran and the United Arab Emirates, almost entirely without masks. Other attendees seen without masks included Republican National Chairwoman Rona McDaniel, our Vice President, and the majority of Trump's cabinet. Notably, Trump has pushed out these Mideast deals towards the election very few give them any credibility. Uh, everybody believes that they're just setups ahead of the election, so they get very little attention and deserve no attention in our list other than how Trump is inviting all these people from other countries. They're showing up at the White House to ceremonies without masks when we are amongst the worst in the world uh, for transmission of the coronavirus. On Wednesday, a Washington Post-ABC News poll found non-college-educated women, a key demographic for Trump in 2016, were fleeing him in Midwest polls in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Only non-college-educated men continued to support him. On Wednesday, Trump again shared a manipulated video of Biden in Florida from an unverified account that was later suspended, this time adding, quote, China is drooling, they can't believe this. On Wednesday, the Big Ten Conference announced its Council of Presidents and Chancellors voted unanimously to resume football games on October 23rd, 
reversing an August vote to postpone. Shortly after, Trump took credit, tweeting, quote, Great news. Big Ten football is back. All teams to participate. Adding, quote, Have a fantastic season. It is my great honor to have helped. While Trump continued to take credit, saying, quote, If we didn't get involved, you wouldn't be talking about Big Ten right now. No league officials pointed to Trump on the return, but credited other reasons. Trump also tweeted the lie, quote, Democrats are heartless. They don't want to give stimulus payments to anyone who desperately needs the money. The opposite was true. The House Democrats passed a bill in May. Trump added, quote, go for the much higher numbers, Republicans. It all comes down to the USA anyways. Senate Republicans tried to pass a paltry $300 billion bill last week that failed. Trump's tweet caused, caught the GOP by surprise. Jared Kushner, when asked, said Trump said on Tuesday that a deal might not happen until after November. Speaker Nancy Pelosi had lowered what the House would accept to $2.2 trillion, but Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said it was too high. On Wednesday, a survey found that two-thirds of U.S. adults under 40 were unaware that 6 million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. That's two-thirds. About 48% of respondents cannot even name a concentration camp. On Wednesday, after Newt Gingrich tried to repeatedly blame George Soros funding for violence in Democratic-run cities, a common anti-Semitic trope to be invoking George Soros, Fox News called him out, and after that there was a long silence. On Thursday, Fox News host Harris Faulkner apologized to Gingrich on her show, saying he is beloved and needed to be allowed to speak with the openness and respect that the show is all about. On Wednesday at a pre-Rosh Hashanah call, Trump urged American Jews to vote for him, invoking the anti-Semitic trope, we love your country also, signaling Israel, not the United States, to American Jews as if this isn't our country. On Wednesday, federal officers who were part of the regime's Operation Warp Speed outlined plans to begin distribution of a potential vaccine within 24 hours of any approval of emergency authorization. On Wednesday, the HHS announced that Caputo, remember him and his Facebook rant, would be taking a medical leave for the next 60 days to focus on his health and the well-being of his family, meaning he would not return before the election. Caputo claimed he was taking temporary medical leave to, quote, pursue necessary screening for a lymphatic issue discovered last week. He also said there were threats against his family, which were impacting his his stress level. The agency also said Paula Alexander, who we talked about last week, a top aide who last week was reported to have tried to exert control over coronavirus messaging at the CDC and their reports, would leave his role permanently. On Wednesday at a hearing, CDC Director Robert Redfield, this is a Senate hearing, Robert Redfield predicted most Americans will not have access to a coronavirus vaccine until late spring or summer next year, contradicting Trump. Redfield also said masks are, quote, the most important powerful public health tool we have, and that universal mask use could bring the pandemic under control in a few months. Redfield added, quote, I might even go so far as to say that the face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take the vaccine. Saying vaccines are not 100% effective, but masks worn properly can be. 
Redfield said he was, quote, deeply saddened by Caputo's accusations that his agency contained a resistance unit, saying the CDC is made up of, quote, thousands of men and women highly competent. It is the premier public health agency of the world. On Wednesday, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said the outlook for the economy is, quote, extraordinarily uncertain, adding to follow the advice to wear masks in public will help get the economy back to full strength. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported an August wedding in May, in Maine uh, of 65 families and friend members had been identified as a super spreader event responsible for 175 cases and seven deaths. None of those who died attended the wedding. So I put that in context. We're talking a lot about the coronavirus Wednesday with Redfield's testimony, with Caputo taking leave. But again, this concept of disregarding what is what is put in place in the state as guidance, as Trump did in front of the whole country in Nevada, as has happened in Maine, Trump's refusal to tell people to wear masks. It's amazing that that is still continuing. Later Wednesday, and this was really something, Trump disputed Redfield's comments under oath in front of the Senate about the vaccine, saying, quote, I called him. I said, what did you mean by that? I think he just made a mistake. I think he misunderstood the question. Trump added, quote, a vaccine is much more effective than a mask. And, quote, I said to him, what's with the mask? He said, I think I answered that question incorrectly. I think it maybe I misunderstood it. Trump also praised his coronavirus response, saying, quote, if you take out the blue states, we're at a level I don't think anyone in the world would be at. Again, part of his pattern of acting as a leader of just some of America. Trump also confirmed a White House staffer had tested positive, saying, quote, last night I heard about it for the first time, and it's a small number of cases. It's not anything one who is near me. That's the day after also there was that ceremony. Remember I mentioned the ceremony with Israel and Bahrain and other European and other Middle Eastern countries that were there without masks, some of them. Mostly it was Americans without masks, but now we learn that somebody in the Trump regime was positive at that ceremony. Trump also threatened to use, again, military force against protesters on election night, saying, quote, we will put it down very quickly if there is, and I think the American public wants to see it. When forced, when pressed about the use of force, he claimed, quote, without, without evidence, quote, there's going to be fraud all over the place and ranted about mail-in voting. Shortly after Trump's news conference, Redfield tweeted, quote, I 100% believe in the importance of vaccines and the importance in particular of the COVID-19 vaccine, saying it is, quote, the thing that will get Americans back to normal everyday life. And he added, quote, the best defense we currently have against this virus are the important mitigation efforts of wearing a mask, washing your hands, social distancing, and being careful about crowds. Notably, Trump does none of those things. So after Trump lied to reporters, Redfield took to Twitter and told the truth. On Wednesday, the Texas Tribune reported Texas state health officials revealed the state's coronavirus positivity rate was higher in the spring than originally disclosed. The data was used to justify business reopenings. Okay, so Wednesday, more news. This was really the day for news. It was really something. On Wednesday later, AP reported 
GOP Governor Mitt Romney criticized Sem Senate Homeland Security Chair Ron Johnson's investigation at a committee meeting, saying the probe of Biden Burisma is, quote, not the legitimate role of government. Remember, we've been talking about how it came out that Johnson is using Russian disinformation. <laughs> Romney also said the investigation from the, quote, onset had the earmarks of a political exercise. Johnson did not respond to the comment, but withdrew requests for additional subpoenas earlier in the meeting. On Wednesday, Ohio's Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor, a Republican, condemned the Ohio GOP's, quote, disgraceful, deceitful allegations against a lower court Democratic judge in a ballot drop box lawsuit. On Wednesday, the Trump campaign filed an order with a federal judge judge seeking to stop New Jersey from early ballot counting and permitting mail-in ballots to be accepted up to 48 hours after the election. So again, you're seeing stories week after week splintered in here of Trump trying to gum up the works and create lawsuits that can be later brought forward if the election doesn't turn out the way he wants it to. On Wednesday, a whistleblower testified hours before law enforcement officials, excuse me, a whistleblower testified hours before law enforcement officials forcibly cleared protesters at Lafayette Square. Federal officials had stockpiled munitions and other extreme devices to clear the crowds. In addition to 7,000 rounds of ammunition to the D.C. Armory, Officials sought devices that would emit deafening sound and make anyone within range feel their, like their skin is on fire. The whistleblower was D.C. National Guard Guard Major Adam DeMarco, and he told lawmakers in sworn testimony that defense officials sought crowd control technology deemed too unpredictable to use in war zones to use against protesters. DeMarco said a June 1 email to the D.C. National Guard asked if they had long-range acoustic devices, a device that has been shelved amid concerns about its effectiveness and the ethics of using it on human beings. DeMarco's account also contradicted the regime's claims that protests were violent, that tear gas was never used on protesters, and that protesters were given ample warning to disperse. On Wednesday, the Wall Street Journal reported in a call last week, Anthony, Attorney General William Barr told the nation's top federal prosecutors they should consider charging rioters or those committing violent crimes of sedition. Remember I said, keep an eye on that word. We're going to hear it again. It was first used by Caputo and now by our chief law enforcement officer. They should consider charging rioters, which is his word for peaceful protesters for the large part, uh, with sedition, a highly unusual suggestion. Barr suggested violent protests could worsen ahead of the November election and suggested prosecutors seek federal charges, seeming to align himself with Trump's crackdown and law and order messaging. Although police have said they are alarmed by armed French groups from both sides, blame, Barr has blamed all violence on leftist extremists, including Antifa, which he described as a movement advocating revolution. Sedition is a rarely, rarely used stature, and experts say prosecutors would need to prove there was a conspiracy to attack government agents or officials that posed an imminent danger and would mark an escalation. The New York Times also reported Barr asked prosecutors in the DOJ's Civil Rights Division to explore whether they could bring criminal charges against Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin for allowing a police-free zone. 
On Wednesday, CNN reported, speaking at a celebration hosted by Hillsdale College on Wednesday night, Barr mocked hundreds of DOJ officials for wanting to, quote, set the agenda, comparing them to preschoolers. Barr said, quote, it might be a good philosophy for the Montessori preschool, but it is no way to run a federal agency. In defending his politically turned decision-making in the Trump regime. Barr also compared lockdowns and stay-at-home orders to house arrest, adding, quote, other than slavery, which was a different kind of restraint, this is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. Yes, he compared it to slavery, lockdowns, and stay-at-home orders. On Thursday, House Majority Whip James Clyburn said of Barr's comments on slavery, quote, You know, I think that the statement by Mr. Barr was the most ridiculous, tone-deaf, god-awful thing I've ever heard. On Thursday, The Guardian reported former model Amy Doris accused Trump of sexual misconduct, alleging he forced his tongue down her throat and groped her at the 1997 U.S. Open, leaving her feeling sick and violated, joining scores of other women who have alleged similar attacks by Trump. On Thursday, Trump sent a series of tweets about mail-in voting full of distortions as he continued to try to discredit the election. All of his tweets were labeled by Twitter with a tag saying, learn how mail-in is safe and secure. Trump tweeted, quote, because of the new and under, 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 unprecedented, excuse me, because of the new and unprecedented massive amounts of unsolicited ballots, which will never be sent to voters, in quotes, or wherever, may never actually be determined and stop ballot madness. Trump also tweeted, quote, unsolicited ballot states should be given up now, saying, quote, ask people to go to the polling booth, otherwise mayhem. Uh, all of these tweets were labeled by Twitter. Again, learn how mail-in voting is safe and secure. Later in the day, Trump continued saying, quote, unsolicited balances are uncontrollable, totally up to election interference by the foreign countries and will be leading to massive chaos and confusion. Twitter again slapped a label on it. On Thursday, the Baltimore Sun reported in a book by the late Representative Elijah Cummings, he described Trump's Twitter attacks as, quote, you can imagine it and try to dismiss it, but the harsh, cold onslaught is just pure pain. On Thursday, White House staff, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows sided with Trump on the vaccine, telling Fox News, quote, I'll bet on President Trump based on what I know behind the scenes, adding, quote, I'm not sure where Redfield got his particular timetable. Hmm. On Thursday, in an op-ed, former DNI Dan Coates called for the commission, called for a commission to oversee the election in 2020, saying, quote, the most urgent task American leaders face is to ensure that the election's results are accepted as legitimate. Coates said, quote, our democracy's enemies, foreign and domestic, want us to concede in advance that our voting systems are faulty or fraudulent adding, if these work, quote, we are lost no matter which candidate wins. Coates added, quote, no American should want such an outcome. Total destruction and sowing salt in the earth of America democracy is a catastrophe well beyond simple defeat and a poison for generations. On Wednesday, DNI Radcliffe, who took over a couple of iterations later from Coates, 
reverse in a statement that his office will continue to brief congressional leaders in the Senate and the House Intelligence Committees, but will not brief all lawmakers on interference. On Thursday, CNN reported FBI Director Christopher Wray told the House Homeland Security Committee that Russia has been very actively in efforts to influence the U.S. election, with a primary goal being to denigrate Biden. Ray testified, Russia is using social media proxies, state media, and online journals to sow, quote, divisiveness and discord and to denigrate Biden. Unlike 2016, Russia is not targeting election infrastructure so far. Contradicting Trump and Barr, Ray said white supremacist violence is the largest part and the greatest domestic terrorist threat in the country, what he called a, quote, racially motivated violent extremism. Ray said Antifa is, quote, not a group or an organization. It is a movement or an ideology, putting him at odds with Trump, who called it a terror group. Ray said some individuals who identify as Antifa were a serious concern. Acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf, who was supposed to also testify, defied the subpoena and was participating again instead in a meeting with the Senate Homeland Security Committee staff regarding his nomination. House Homeland Security Chair Bernie Th- Benny Thompson said Wolf's failure to appearance, quote, should appall every member of this committee. DHS claimed that since Wolf is preparing for to be nominated, he should not talk to Thompson's panel, which makes no sense. On Thursday, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court blocked the Green Party presidential ticket from state ballots, saying this party did not submit signing filing papers in time, following a similar ruling by Wisconsin last week. In a separate case Thursday, the court sided with Democrats, ruling voters can turn in ballots via Dropbox in addition to USPS and allow ballots to be returned up to three days after Election Day. Okay, this was one crazy-ass speech. On Thursday, in a divisive remarks delivered at the White House, and this is Trump stoking his racism again, Trump said he would start a new commission to promote, quote, patriotic education and would create a grant to, quote, develop a pro-American curriculum. In its continued attacks on purging critical race theory, Trump derided a, quote, twisted web of lies being taught in U.S. classrooms about systemic racism in America, calling it a, quote, form of child abuse. Trump added, quote, the radicals have mistaken American silence for weakness. There are no more powerful force than a parent's love for their child, children, and, quote, Patriotic mom and dads are fed up with hateful lies. Although the federal government does not have jurisdiction over school curriculum, Trump said, quote, parents are not going to accept indoctrination in our schools, cancel culture at work, or the repression of traditional faith. Trump attacked the 1619 Project again, as well as Howard Zinn's In American History of a People's History of the United States, calling them, quote, toxic propaganda ideological poison that, if not removed, will dissolve the civic bonds and will destroy our country. Trump said instead schools should focus on, quote, the legacy of 1776 and blame the left for a, quote, vicious and violent assault on law enforcement this summer. His speech drew comparisons to Hitler's youth. 
On Thursday, the Washington Post reported Olivia Troy, who worked as Homeland Security, counterterrorism, and coronavirus advisor to Pence for two years, said she would vote for Biden, citing her experience in the White House. Troy said the first regime member who spoke, who she was the first who worked extensively on the coronavirus response to speak out against it, saying Trump showed a, quote, flat-out disregard for human life, noting his promoting, quote, false narratives and incorrect information. Troy organized and participated in every coronavirus task force meeting. She said Trump was unengaged in meetings and went off in tangents. She said his pronouncements, like his promotion of hydrochloroquine, blindsided officials. She blamed Trump and his regime for the number of cases and deaths, pointing to Trump's unwillingness to embrace masks, even as advisors repeatedly begged. She said people were afraid to disagree with Trump. On Thursday, the New York Times reported the CDC's heavily criticized guidance posted last month. We talked about that on the podcast, saying that it was not necessary to to test asymptomatic people, even if they had been exposed to the virus, was in fact not written by CDC scientists. The recommendation was placed on the CDC website by HHS officials, despite CDC scientists' serious objections. The Trump regime told the Times that the document was a CDC document reviewed by Redfield. CDC scientists said the document contained elementary errors, including referring to, quote, testing for COVID-19, as opposed to testing for the virus that causes it, and recommendations inconsistent with their stance. Admiral Brett Giroir told the Times the original draft came from the CDC, but he said coordinated he was coordinating editing that included members of the task force claiming he did not know why it, circum- why it circumvented the usual CDC scientific review. On Friday, following the Times reporting and criticism, the CDC reversed the guidance on, its, guidance on its website, saying people who have been in close contact with someone infected with the coronavirus should get tested, even if asymptomatic. So another case of information being falsified or impacted by the Trump regime to hide things. Now we have a, a series of stories about DeJoy and our post office. On Monday, Bloomberg reported U.S. Postmaster General DeJoy boosted his giving to 600000 to Republican political campaigns over eight weeks after the opening for Postmaster General position was announced. On Monday, NBC News reported a 2001 audit by the USPSIG found New Breed Logistics, then run by DeJoy, was awarded more than $300 million in no-bid contracts, costing $53 million more than if competitively bid. On Monday, Politico reported the post the Postal Police Officers Association sued the USPS and Joy to Joy saying the USPS abruptly ordered its police officers to stop investigating mail theft that occurs away from the post office property. The union charges were the union charges that these changes that were implemented on August 25th, the day after DeJoy testified to Congress, and said that the post office, the police officers have stopped investigating thefts that would, would be a sharp break from decades of practices. 
On Thursday, the Washington Post reported nearly 10,000 USPS emails, memos, and other documents from March and April obtained under a Freedom of Information request uh, showed that in April, mail carriers revolted, saying they had a few protections from COVID-19. The USPS occasionally relied on Stefan Pacentino for legal advice. He was a former deputy White House counsel, now serving on a group that could challenge 2020 election results, raising ethical new ethical flags. In April, USPS leaders drafted a news release announcing plans to distribute 650 million masks nationwide, five-face coverings for every American household. The plan was later scrapped by the Trump regime. The USPS board also retained Republican consultant Rick Holt and considered tapping Reince Priebus, the former White House chief of staff, to help them break the logjam over needed funding and in the stimulus package. The executive director of Watch Group, Watchdog Group American Oversight, which obtained the emails, said, quote, I see President Trump's fingerprints all over and also raised concerns of the overlap between the USPS and the Republican Party. Later Thursday, a federal judge sided with 14 states, temporarily blocking operational changes at the USPS, signing Trump and DeJoy are, quote, involved in a politically motivated attack that could disrupt the election. The judge said changes, quote, likely will slow down delivery of ballots, creating a, quote, substantial possibility that many voters will be disenfranchised. It said that states may not be able to determine results in a timely, accurate manner. The judge added, quote, it is easy to conclude that recent changes is an intentional effort on the part of the current administration to disrupt and challenge the legitimacy of the upcoming local, state, and federal elections. That's a judge saying that. The judge ordered the USPS to treat all election mail as first class and to reverse changes like having mail carriers leave behind mail at postal facilities and to stop requiring trucks to leave at set times if mail is not ready. On Friday, Vanity Fair reported in meetings last March, last March Kushner resisted taking federal action like the Defense Production Act, to alleviate shortages of PPE, since the virus was primarily impacting blue states. Even as Kushner was advised states were bidding against each other, he said, quote, it's up to the states to figure out what they want to do, adding, quote, free markets will solve this. That is not the role of government. It actually is the role of government, and it's not free market to have states competing with each other. Others cited New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's appearances on the topic, to which Kushner said, quote, Cuomo didn't pound the phone hard enough to get PPE for a state. His people are going to suffer, and that's their problem. So again, following this pattern, like Trump said, if not for the blue states, like Trump is not the president of the United States. He's the leader of some states, and he treats them like a mafia deal where if he gets what he wants, they get what they want. It's not the way it works. On Friday, four House committee chairs asked the DOJ Investigator General, Inspector General, to conduct a, quote, emergency investigation into Barr's handling of the Durham investigation. On Friday, the Daily Vist reported lawyers representing the U.S. at Julian Assange's extradition trial acknowledged that GOP Congressman Donna Rohrabacher offered him a presidential pardon to cover Russia links. The offer was made at the Ecuadorian embassy in London 
on August 15, 2017, where Roy Barker and one of others claimed to be emissaries offering a presidential pardon for not revealing the source of the WikiLeaks information. The lawyer for the U.S. government told the court, quote, the position of the government is we do not contest that these things were said. We obviously do not accept the truth of what was said by others. Remember, that is a story that we talked about in 2017. Supposedly, Roy Barker was with Trump in the White House before he made that trip to London and met with Assange. And he did offer him a presidential pardon, we now know, in exchange for not revealing that Russia was the source of the emails that WikiLeaks used. So these stories, once in a while, tie themselves together. On Friday, a Michigan state judge ruled that absentee ballots postmarked before Election Day can be counted if they arrive two weeks after the polls closed. A victory for Democrats groups that brought the lawsuit. On Friday, the news conference. Now, remember in the beginning I talked about Florida and Trump not doing well in Florida and needing Florida? Listen to these next two stories. On Friday at a news conference, Trump announced a package of aid to Puerto Rico for Hurricane Maria. That happened in 2017, after blocking aid for years, telling reporters, quote, I'm the best thing that's ever happened to Puerto Rico. The announcement underscored the importance of Florida in the Electoral College as Trump found himself behind in several swing states that he won in 2016 and seemed to suggest a direct appeal to buy votes. Shortly after, the New York Times reported a deal between the White House and the pharmaceutical industry to lower drug prices collapsed after Mark Meadows demanded Trump drug companies send cash payments ahead of the election. Meadows insisted the drug companies send $100 cash cards to seniors, known as Trump cards, ahead of the election. The drug companies did not want to be seen as giving Trump an 11th hour political boost. Again, those are two groups that Trump needs help with in Florida. Later Friday, on the eve of Rosh Hashanah, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died at 87 from complications of metastatic pancreatic cancer. Ginsburg, a pioneer for women's rights, served 27 years on the Supreme Court. According to her granddaughter, Clara Spera, days before her death, as her strength waned, Ginsburg dictated this statement, quote, My most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Shortly after her death, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who in 2016 stalled Obama's Supreme Court nominee Merrick Garland from March until the election, said he would bring a Trump nominee to the floor. Trump, who was speaking at a campaign rally in Minnesota, was unaware of the news. Nearly 90 minutes after her death, Trump told the crowd the next president will have, quote, anywhere from one to four Supreme Court vacancies. Trump said any voter... Trump, excuse me, Biden said any vote should come after the election, saying voters should pick the president and the president should pick the the replacement for Ginsburg. On Saturday, Trump urged the Senate to consider his Supreme Court pick, quote, without delay, tweeting, quote, we were put in this position of power and importance to make decisions for the people who so proudly elected us. On Saturday, former President Barack Obama said in a statement, quote, A basic principle of the law and of of everyday fairness is that we apply rules with consistency, not based on what's convenient or advantageous in the moment. Obama added, the rule of law, the legitimacy of our courts, the fundamental workings of our democracy 
all depend on that basic principle, noting, quote, votes are already being cast in this election. A somber week we'll leave you with, folks. Until next week, we are now 43 days until the election. Stay tuned.